Hello, and welcome to Girls Gone Canon Reads A Song of Ice and Fire, episode 158, Samwell 3 in a Feast for Crows. I am one of your hosts, Chloe. And I am another one of your hosts, Eliana. Welcome. Thank you, Welcome. everyone. Sorry about the delay for patrons, but here we are. We are delayed just like Sam's trip to Old Town. Old Town Road, take me home, <laughs> Sam says. Oh, I thought you were going to say it. Old Town Road from uh, from Lil Nas X. That was the joke, Eliana. I don't know why I heard, in my head when you were saying it, I heard the Country Road song. I don't know why. Oh. Well, I want to go to Old Town, but we can't go yet. We're not there yet. I, I do want to go there with Sam. Yeah. I can't wait to see him go there and then it's going to like turn to hell beneath his feet and tentacles and krakens and all that shit. But before we can get too far into that, we have some housekeeping up top. Eliana, there's a Patreon bonus episode this month, and you're going to tell us all about it. <laughs> yeah, so I was actually inspired by you, Chloe, just like always. Oh my God. You yeah. were my muse, and... Yeah. I was like, what makes sense for April? And we could do one of the Free Cities episodes. But I was like, okay. I feel like I want to do something different still, right? And April, April 1st especially, as you all know, uh, you'd have to be a fool not to know that our lovely Chloe oh my God. was born on that day. So in honor of Chloe, we are going to do an... April Fools episode, and by that I mean an episode talking about some of the fools and bards and performers in A Song of Ice and Fire, such as, for example, Butterbumps, yes, Go Jingle Butterbumps. Bells, <laughs> Patrice, oh. Oh. but also- These got sad. These get sadder and sadder. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> I started out, I was like, Butterbumps is the one who's top of mind for me, because I'm like, Butterbumps! But we are. We might also talk a little bit about some of the pit fighters, right? Or Tyrion and Penny's moments in the lion pit, and even like Penny and Groat. As for you know some of the other performance performers, like the mummers in the Mercy chapter, we're actually going to save that for the Bravos Free Cities chapter, which is going to come one day. Uh, we are in Bravos though in this episode, but that's not today yeah, so not today not today april <laughs> fools but not uh, a joke this is this is gonna be real <laughs> to the god of bravos not, not today <laughs> uh, not this uh, month not this quarter hey another thing i know that's very exciting patreon members in the five dollar and up tier you always get bonus episodes and we definitely have one planned for next month already we'll let you know about that soon but it will be his dark materials themed however patrons also get some other perks especially patrons in the thunder tier and above the ten dollar tier and above this is a fun one they get to go to brunch slash happy hour every month and we're doing something a little different this month uh, our brunch slash happy hour is going to be on April 24th, I believe. Is that the Sunday, April 24th? Yes. And it's going to be split between two factions. Yes, we are starting a war. Oh my god. <laughs> Chloe and I are splitting up <gasps> the Discord. <laughs> oh my god. We're splitting up the Discord. And so we are going to... Be in different places, as we are most of the time. But Chloe, as you may 
might all know, will be at Ice and Fire Con on April 24th. And I, unfortunately, will not be able to make it to the convention. So, some of you are going to get to, like, hang out in person, and I feel like that's, like, a great use of your brunch time. But for all the rest of us left over here who are not going, we are starting our own camp, our own faction. It's Eliana's court on the Discord, April 24th. And Chloe's court, IRL, at Ice and Fire Con, April 24th. And, I mean, look, I'm not trying to make you jealous, Eliana, that we get to have real brunch and happy hour without (laughs) you. I'm pretty jealous. Um, It's going to be really fun, and I'm really sad. I wish everybody could be there. If you get the chance to come to Ice and Fire Con, go, 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 run with all your heart's desire. It's it's a blast. And Eliana and I have gotten to make some great memories there before. So I'm not that sad I'll miss you. Yeah, this is, I mean, this was consummated there, you know? Mm -hmm. We were pregnant with this podcast Mm -hmm. because of Ice and Fire Con. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm excited. We're going to announce more details for patrons online, more brunch details online. And if you do see me at Ice and Fire Con, come say hey. There are a couple panels that we're going to be doing. Girls Gone Canon. Well, it's girl. It's Girl Gone Canon, I guess. I'll be there in spirit. <laughs> but, maybe my words will but, be in there a little. Yeah, maybe. I'll, I'll bring Eliana's words, I promise. Uh, <laughs> Should I send you a cutout of me? <laughs> I would love that. I'm not kidding. If you did that, I would be so happy and I would bring you to brunch. That's big jasmine energy. Oh, I love it. I love it. Really cool. I'm doing a panel with Game of Owns, actually. I want to say it's noon on Saturday, maybe. And it's going to be called Choose Your Own Reading Order. And it's kind of just about uh, how we're two podcasts that do different reading orders than the old linear shindig, right? So come check that out if you're at Ice and FireCon. That's going to be a blast to talk about. I'm on a panel with History of Westeros and... Uh, a couple other friends on Thursday. I'll, I'll post up the schedule for you guys on Patreon, though. Speaking of Game of Owns, that is not the only thing that we are doing with them this month. Yes, yes, we have a guest next week for Sam 4. A gooist. The gooist. The gooist boy of all. <laughs> Zach from Goo of Owns. Goo, Game of Owns. Oh, God. Zach from Game of Owns is coming on for Sam 4. I couldn't be more excited. It's the perfect chapter to have him on for because we're going to laugh. We're going to cry. We're going to get really weirdly introspective, I'm sure. All of these just for a heartbeat. And Zach is the perfect person to discuss these moments with. Absolutely. So very excited that Zach will be joining us next week. And I guess that he'll be joining you later this month. Um. Yep. Sorry, yeah. everyone. I had I had family obligations, but you know, please enjoy no, the other no. family, the other family that we chose together uh, at hey, Ice and Fire. That's Con. family duty honor, Eliana, and we respect yep. that, and we can't Indeed. wait to get you back. Indeed. So, this month there's a civil war. Um, oh my god! <laughs> for patrons of the ten dollar tier and above, and you know. At the end of this month, as always, we do have a His Dark Materials episode, so stay tuned for that. Yeah, the Amber Spyglass, we're finishing it up soon, so start reading it if you haven't, because it's great and you'll have hours and hours of entertainment already at your disposal. All up for public. A lot of people are about to get mad at us for, you know, emotional damage, but you know what? Whatever. I mean, (sighs) I don't know what they expect, especially if they listen to the Ace Cast. Yeah, when have we... I think we've only one time picked something that does not 
do emotional damage, and that was Ella Enchanted. (laughs) There's always time for more. All right, let's jump into our lightning round of what we missed from Sam 2 to Sam 3. In A Feast for Crows, I have removed a handful of POVs, so keep your eyes peeled. We start out with the Iron Captain. Balin was mad, Aaron is madder, and Euron is maddest of them all. The Drowned Man. Euron is the man of the hour at the King's Moot. Brienne 4. Brienne squares off against some of the brave companions. The Queen Maker. Someone told. Someone always tells. Arya 2. Arya has graduated to being a novice at the temple, spending her days with the Waif, learning her language, and trying to change her face. Elaine 1. Peter manipulates the Lord's Declarant. Brienne 5. Randall Tarly warns Brienne to quit her folly at playing knight. Brienne persists, meeting with Septon Maribald before journeying to the Quiet Isle. That throws us into Sam 3 in A Feast for Crows, where Aemon is borderline death, Darren's busy getting laid, but yet Sam's the one who feels like he's getting screwed. Oh, also Arya's here too. That was a great line, Chloe. Thank you. I- I'm, I'm not too shabby. You know, I'm kind of clever. You're you're very clever. That's why I love these little summaries. You know, um, your little April yeah. Fool, huh? Yeah, indeed, indeed. That's why we're... F- <laughs> but we, unfortunately, we must fight. So... <laughs> War. April Fool. War. <laughs> so, uh, Sam 3 starts out with Darren. Sorry, Darian. It's hard to do. Uh, out drinking again. Or maybe fucking. Darian was supposed to be his brother. Sam winds to Gilly, who is looking pretty unkempt, puffy, and red. She sounds actually like. She sounds real sad, but also kind of cute. The opening <laughs> sequence, uh, and she's huddling near the hearth, though there is no fire. And Gilly whispers that Darian doesn't like it there; that it's sad in their hall. And Darian likes Bravos's many inns, alehouses, and brothels. And he also had promised he'd be back with wine and food. Yet Darian is still nowhere to be seen. I have to say, once you said it, now I see her looking adorably cute, like a She's little like, stuffed bear. Right? I know. Like it reminds me of Sansa in uh, Asaw Seven when she like comes out all bundled up in her her fur, and she's like says something about how she has all these different layers on, and she feels like she's all wrapped up like a teddy bear. <sighs> adorable, adorable, adorable. You know, if Darian was simply out getting drunk to get rid of like dragon dreams, like other Darians. Mm. Maybe I could forgive him. I don't think that's the case. But to be fair, this is really frustrating also because Gilly even sees it. She's like, yo, he didn't ask for any of this, Sam. He He's forsaking his duty, sure, by not going off and doing the things for the watch like he's supposed to. But he didn't ask for any of this. Yeah, he literally didn't. And like, not in the Jon Snow way, right? Like... Yeah. John kind of like was like, I want to join the watch, but, and and I think that's such a central part of this chapter and to an extent like the next one, because like, yeah, Darian's being like a huge asshole, but also Gilly's right. We are not very cool to hang out with Sam at the moment. And yeah, it sucks. And it is super shitty that it's leading to like, Eamon being even worse off than he already is in terms of on his path towards dying. But like you said, I like totally sympathize with Darian not fucking asking for any of this, because, I mean, 
you know, the Night's Watch ends up being like this family that Sam chose, and he feels very at home there with that family. But for Darian, he it's kind of closer to this reality of like other families, right? And he that he didn't choose this one, much like how Sam didn't choose his biological family. Yeah, and, and there is that aspect to it too of like, and I think it really frames this chapter and the next chapter really well with Eamon's death that we'll get into next chapter, uh, and, and grieving, right? And like living, like you're allowed to live, and Sam has not ever been allowed to live, right? Like he went from his father mm-hmm. to the watch, and Darren's like, dude, I got thrown in this place, in this joint for, you know, living. It's bullshit. Everyone should be able to live. Uh, it's yeah. even kind of that catharsis we get of Egret and John, right? First will live. Yes. And Sam has never gotten to live. Yeah, Darian, he's trying to do that. Like, this is his first chance to do that since, like you said, being forced to be here. Yup. Stuck in that John. Yep. Darkness falls in Bravos, and the night belongs to Bravos and courtesans. Darian's new friends, Sam thinks bitterly. It's all Darian talks about, like a new song he hopes to write about a woman called the Moonshadow. But if he really preferred mold wine and moonshadow, is that so bad? Exactly, Sam, listen, is that so bad? Waiting for Darian was Sam, Eamon, Gilly. They weren't really the greatest company. Sam told him they needed coin, not kisses, which is what Darian was receiving as payment. But he simply says some kisses are worth more than yellow gold, Slayer. So this makes me think a little bit of Eamon's wisdom in the first book of, like, I mean, love can be stronger sometimes than duty, right? It's it's the death of duty. And that's a little bit of what's at play here. Um, it also makes me think a little bit of the kiss of life stuff. You know, kisses being more valuable than gold. With that, I was trying to understand why it made me think of the Night of Skulls and Kisses. And then I was like, oh, it makes me think of the ghosts of High Heart trading kisses for information. And not unlike what we're going to see with Arya, right, in her arc of her trading information in Bravos. I really think that's great because if you're dealing in kisses, I mean, you are dealing in information. He is the one that brings the talk of dragons, right? That's true. That's true. And yeah, he he does have a lot of information. He's the one in the places where that exists. But also something that you said, I don't know, just sort of sparked something in my head. You were saying like, is that so bad, Sam, that Darian prefers these songs to an extent, you know, than the Night's Watch, which is about fighting and stuff? That's kind of like how Sam was back at Mm -hmm. Horn Hill, right? Like his dad hated that Sam loved songs more than fighting. And... Darian likes songs more than fighting. Valid. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it. his technique leaves a little to be desired, you know, of like his, you know, abrasiveness. But yeah, it seems even better. Th- that's how bad. That's how much Darian doesn't like fighting. Sam's better at it than him. Beats him up. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so this idea that some kisses are worth more than yellow gold only further anger Sam, and he's like Darian should be singing about the wall, the watch. But like, all he does is sing about golden kisses and silvery hair and red lips. I actually, that stood out so much to me, this read, because of the way that it's quoted. No one ever took the black for red, red lips. And, you know, golden kisses, silvery hair, red lips. It kind of makes me think of Danny and John. 
Not to bring Generis into this, and maybe this is uh, lightly thinking of End Game of Thrones in mind, but like, no one ever takes the black for red, red lips. As you said, duty is the. Which one did you say? I don't know. Which one bane is Amon's? Bane of no love is the bane of duty, or something like that. And duty is the bane of love, Eliana, or whatever Tyrion said that one time. <laughs> Amen. Uh, and right? Tyrion in the, oh. the you know in the Did show he? that the books are based on. Oh my on? god! Yeah. <laughs> in season eight. Oh my god! <laughs> the final gonna... season that the winds of winter in a dream of spring. Someone beat me up. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> I am beating you up with my words. Uh, I don't know. It does make me think of that though, like of you know what could make you choose exile than a beautiful woman. Yeah. What could make you take yep. the black that a beautiful woman? I mean, Egret. <sighs> Egret drove him back to the wall, even though he That's loved true. her very much. And then he watched her die. I'm just yep. saying. It makes me think of that. Uh, there, there's something great here with Moonshadow, though, right? I really love that we get to kind of hear of one of the courtesans up close. And during Cat of the Canals, we learn about Moonshadow again. She has her own barge. She has servants to pull her to her trysts. It makes me think a lot of some of these broader themes in A Song of Ice and Fire of women losing and gaining agency and some of those broad themes we see in Fire and Blood, like where Rhaenyra has this great triumph and then huge tragedy and loss, but then the winds of the women during the Hour of the Wolf that we've been talking about so much lately, that kind of comes into play, right? Of the women truly being the strong ones. And not unlike Alysanne's losses, but also her triumphs for fellow women. Gilly mm. comes to mind here for me as well. That possibility of her making her own way in some aspects. Like, she does not have power for herself, and Sam realizes that. But Gilly has so much pride and enough ambition that she could. I mean, I think were she more versed in Bravos, she could ditch Sam. No, she couldn't. But she could make her own way. She's strong. She is. She is. And I think... I'm excited to see her probably come into her own more in Old Town, bigger city, but absolutely. And we'll discuss probably more about Moonshadow one day, one yes. day. And I kind of wonder if like, apparently this is a Cat Stevens slash Yusuf Islam song. And I kind of wonder if it was like inspired by that song. Um, I didn't actually love that song. I listened to it today, and I was like, this is not my favorite of his music. But anyway, speaking of Fire and Blood, sending Darian out to try and recruit people to like the side to join the Night's Watch reminds me a little of how Jaharis sent out like singers, right? And and bards mm. to convince them, like, you know what's a great idea? Letting the Targaryens marry each other. Targ exceptionalism. Yeah. It's sexy when we marry each other. Indeed. Red, red lips. <laughs> red, red lips. Silver hair. Ooh, golden kisses. Hair. Yeah, the silver hair and golden kisses. Very romantic. Very Go romantic. Golden kisses from my sister. Um, Settle down, Jamie. <laughs> so, Darian's playing would wake the child on some days, which would make both Gilly and the child then weep. Darian <laughs> says that he wants a slapper, which is pretty fucked up, and that he can scarce sleep for the sobbing, but Sam can't really blame her for her grief and we have this line of instead he blamed Jon Snow and wondered when Jon's heart had turned to stone Snow Ned interesting interesting <laughs> uh, great word choice I never really you know I didn't 
think think on it farther than necessary because you know you got the john death fire white stoneheart great line Mm -hmm. good work Mm -hmm. i'm not even being condescending though it's actually a great choice artistically just in word choice because obviously he knew at this point in time what he had in store for john so in using that same language it evokes similar horrific deaths not only for cat and john as we know in the betrayal at people that they were allied with quote-unquote, through a social contract or through a contract, quote-unquote. But also it shows some of that peril in their leadership, right? Their leadership skills and kind of what leads them to being backed into that corner and their choices that they're making for their family. Absolutely. Great great parallels in regards to, like you said, the, the betrayal, but also their leadership. And I mean... Yeah, as you said, like, George knew what he was going to do because thankfully he had a template in the show that he based these books off of. And you have this other thing, too, paralleling John and Kat, right? Where John's, like, thinks he's probably the last surviving person of pretty much his whole family. And he's also just recently lost his lover, as Kat did, losing her husband and then thinking that she's lost all her children. So... (sighs) It's enough to turn someone's heart to stone, understandably. Yeah. Well, Sam even asks Eamon the same question of, like, when did John's heart turn to stone? And Eamon said, when you raised him up to Lord Commander. And I'm like, damn, Eamon, then why didn't you fucking warn Sam about this before? You were like, I don't know, Sam, can you do something? And I'm like, bruh, this is a trap. I get you're, like, throwing your baby crows out of the tree and making them fly, but you're also leaving off that part that, like, you also told John to kill the boy inside of him. (laughs) Yeah, he's like, Sam, I didn't tell you that I gave both of you really bad advice that has kind of just snowballed into this. This. (laughs) I I love the idea that, like, Eamon is just, like, you know, at his age, he's just, he's the Lady Danbury of all of this, you know, he's running around, just causing drama for shits and giggles, he's like, ooh, this should be fun to watch the boys fight. He's like, is this what fuck around Uh, and find out means in my old age? uh, Fuck. (laughs) Um... (laughs) I could just see him, like, twinkle-toeing around, lifting up his little robes. Ugh, what a guy. Sam, also, he doesn't want to believe, I mean, this is the biggest part of all of it, right? He doesn't want to believe John has the potential to be cruel and do that cruel thing. But it's starting to really seem like it's true. If he wanted the 100% truth, he thinks that he could ask Gilly, but he doesn't have the courage. He thinks, I'm still a craven. He could just read A Dance with Dragons, and he would know that John did do this. That's what I did, and look how I turned yeah, out. exactly. <laughs> uh, there is something interesting with the way that he thinks that by not asking Gilly the truth, he's being craven. And it's kind of a conflation, in my opinion, because it's not courage or bravery it's just being invasive right and this all comes from his father this obviously stems from his dad because sam wouldn't be craven by doing that he's being considerate because he knows the truth he just basically said i know it's true he knows gilly is suffering he feels probably more embarrassed that he hasn't approached her and told her he knows and that he's sorry and she's feeling really stripped down right bare like nothing right she had to give something of hers up to a man again against her entire will and being sam's father would say he's craven for not asking her probably but why would sam consider it sam open up that wound like that when he knows 
he's really only being a coward about not asking her and saying that he's sorry and that he wants to help her and comfort her because that's when healing and progress in a relationship truly can be made, right? So that mm-hmm. is the true craven feeling, I would say. And I think there's an aspect like kind of related to what you're saying of in not asking her and being I think there's an aspect like you could be brave enough to know, not put that pain on her and just help carry it yourself. You know? Yes. Yeah. I think he's ashamed, moreover. Not even yeah. craven. It's shame. He's ashamed yeah. and he's ashamed of himself for not doing better on it to have not have confronted it yeah because he is avoiding it because of those feelings from his father and because that also makes him have to admit that john did this his friend john did this friend john that he put into a position to do this yep and it admits kind of that feeling of culpability yeah also there's something kind of interesting about the baby not liking the music considering that his father was very much a musician Mm-hmm. That is interesting. I never thought about that. That's it. That's a thought that I have. Eamon <laughs> had been losing his wits more and more. Relatable. Calling out to Egg. <laughs> I also call out to Egg sometimes. Asking why it's dark. I really like Eggs. Um, rambling about his father or brother and not knowing where they are. Sam has to remind him who he is once in a while and where he is. Once Eamon came to, they have the same conversation, that it's cold, that they have no money for firewood. <laughs> and Sam regrets using the last of their coin on a healer from the House of Red Hands, who gave them a flask of dream wine to help gentle Eamon's passing. No leeching, bleeding, or purging could have helped Eamon, the healer said. I feel for Sam, but some of this was not wise. It definitely is coming off as some emotional spending. Uh, obviously he's upset and he wanted to kind of like, I mean, you want to pay for something to cure it, to fix it all, right? Like you're stressed, you're at your wit's end and you just want it to be fixed. Uh, some trick, there has to be some bravo something to make it all better. But I also think that it's, it's really obvious, like Eamon's dying, Sam, and you need to face that too, because yeah. that's part of it. Once Eamon dies, then it all unravels. Then he has to face the John part, then the Gilly part. Uh, it's one big wound-up knot. It is, it is. And it is not going great. (laughs) And also, like, it is emotional spending, but I'm also at the same time thinking, you know, Sam comes from a country where wood wasn't so expensive and was much more accessible, so I'm like, he, I guess, didn't plan for this, right? He didn't really think, like, damn, we gotta buy wood. Because even though the Night's Watch was very cold, they also always had wood available in stock. There was like a whole forest right there. So. Yeah. He's just like never had to think about that in terms of survival before. And he comes from a warmer region too, now that I think about it. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, especially considering he went on horse all the way north. Yeah. So, Eamon slept night and day and would wake and ask to see the ships and Sam would say, you're too weak. When they first got to Bravos, they carried him ashore because he was too weak to walk. They had more silver then, and Darren asked for the world's biggest bed for them all to stay in, and the innkeep, of course, charged them as such. Sam promises Eamon they'll go to the docks the next day and look for a ship to Old Town, a traitor who has kin maybe in the watch. There must still be some who honor the men who walk the wall. Old Town? Yes, I dreamt of Old Town, Sam. 
I was young again, and my brother Egg was with me, with that big knight he served. We were drinking in the old inn, where they make the fearsomely strong cider. He tried to rise again, but the effort proved too much for him. After a moment, he settled back. The ships. We will find our answers there. About the dragons. I need to know. Oh. I get it. I get needing to know how things go. Needing to know how things end. But... Also, there's this aspect of Sam visiting, you know, hearing this from Eamon, and then later on he visits, like, all these different establishments in Bravos. And while he doesn't do it in this chapter, it does remind me a little bit of the Davos chapters, right? Where Davos would go sit in on all these different taverns and listen in on conversations, and that's how he found information about what's going on in Westeros. What should he do? Yes. Well, and that's the thing is Sam does at least try after this, which I'm really glad because he wasn't before. He was kind of just like sheepishly doing it. Yes. Yes. There are some people who still honor the men who walk the wall, uh, but we'll meet them in a sec. Sam offers Eamon food, trying to fill his belly with the remaining bread and cheese, but Eamon says later, when he feels stronger, they hadn't eaten much since Skagos' cold, grim winds, and at one point Sam recalls the entire ship being coated in ice. Sam, the baby, Darian, Gilly, all of them had become ravenous once on shore, but not Eamon. Sam asks if he'd like gravy to dip the stale bread in, but Eamon declines, instead asking for a sip of wine, but they have no wine. Darian promised to buy some more with the coin that he earned singing, and it is it is really stressful and sad, right? Because loss of appetite is, like, as many know, one of the signs that someone's might be on their way out. Yeah. Not good. <sighs> not good. Also the water. Not good. It's like, yeah, okay. that- this is really interesting, and I was really interested to kind of reread some of this about Bravos and the aqueducts. There's water, but not good water. The good water comes through arches at the great brick aqueduct that they call the Sweetwater River. Rich men have it piped straight into their homes, and the poor fill their pails and buckets at public fountains. One time, Sam had sent Gilly out to get some, forgetting she had lived her whole life in Craster's Keep, basically, uh, and... The stony maze of islands and canals that was Bravos, with no grass, no trees, and strangers speaking in languages she doesn't understand scared her so badly she'd lost the map and herself, and he found her weeping at the feet of some long-dead sea lord, a statue. So sad Mm. for Gilly. I'm like, my poor girl. But also, how overwhelming. A lot to Mm -hmm. take in. And... The aqueducts are very interesting. The public water fountain kind of system. We talked a lot in the Patreon episodes for Free Cities about some of these divides. And there's a very physical divide with Norvos, right? You have the upper half where rich pe- rich people live and the bottom half where there's less access to resources. And this is kind of less of a literal divide, but just as big of one, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It is really interesting. And I wonder, you know... Are they just, like, wasting the water, I guess, on these grass and trees? So Probably. Yeah, on their, uh... Like the rich On are. their lemon tree? Yeah. They don't need... They need... Some, I don't know. Whatever. <clears throat> I actually don't take care of the tree. We'll talk about it in a second. <laughs> um, the cook had boiled the canal water, and there was also dream wine, but Eamon had dreamt enough, and canal water is going to I, work just fine for this. Sam eases the water to Eamon's lips, and after a few sips, he shivers, done, 
asking why it's so cold, and Sam repeats that there's no wood. They hadn't realized how costly the wood would be. There aren't any trees on Bravo, save for in the court and Gardens of the Mighty. Wait, so like if you were fostered at someone's house, and hypothetically they had a tree in their backyard, and there was fruit on it, and they were wealthy, are you telling me it could be bra- I'm just kidding. You're telling me it could be, yes, and as I hinted at a second ago, I am literally growing a lemon tree in my apartment. Oh my God, maybe Dan was born there. Maybe. Partially inspired by this debate. I was like, I have a point to prove. You're going to do it. I have like three lemons growing, and by mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm bad at taking care of plants, but my partner's doing a great job growing this lemon tree i don't know how much water it really takes um it's possible i was gonna say is it a lot of work i don't know Um, are these outside or are these in your window this one's inside but i think as the weather you know warms up we can bring it outside so my my job is i i'm like the little lemon breeder right i go up to the lemon tree when i see flowers and i just sit there and then with a little q-tip and i just like rub the little flower like pistol and stamens against each other i'm like impregnate impregnate um oh my this god is so actually you literally what I them? Do. you have a three-way with it i do i do this is actually what i do Jesus. at the lemon tree i'm like become lemons and it oh makes god. like little lemons sometimes and then for no reason that has nothing to do with me sometimes they fall off but we've got one really big lemon and a couple like medium ones that are starting to grow and yeah like i my said god. just go up and you have three ways with them or and maybe it's a whole orgy to... considering how many like flowers you know i like get at all at once sometimes i don't know maybe you shouldn't <sighs> consider it how many flowers <laughs> <laughs> so uh... the pines that surround bravos act as a shield to keep the storms from them it's brought in by barge and Eamon, again, begs Sam to go to the docks, but Sam says he's just too weak. Instead, Eamon tells Sam to go for him and bring someone who has seen the dragons. And Sam tells him it's just a story until the Darien has brought back from the alehouses. And besides, Darien might have made it all up. Singers do that. <laughs> Eamon says that even the most fanciful song, though, may hold a kernel of truth and asks Sam to bring him the truth. And Sam says that he's not skilled enough in languages to get the right information for him. And that Eamon, you're just like so much better suited to speak to the sailors when he's stronger. But Eamon knows that um, that's just like not really happening anytime soon or maybe ever. I shall not see Old Town again. I know that now. The old man tightened his grip on Sam's arm. I will be with my brothers soon. Some were bound to me by vows, some by blood, but they were all my brothers. And my father, he never thought the throne would pass to him, and yet it did. He used to say that was his punishment for the blow that slew his brother. I pray he found the peace in death that he never knew in life. The sept and sing of sweet surcease, of laying down our burdens and voyaging to a far sweet land where we may laugh and love and feast until end of days. But what if there is no land of light and honey, only cold and dark and pain beyond the wall called death? <sighs> Eamon just wants to live, laugh, love. My God! That's what he just said. I'm not. I didn't make that up. He just said that. 
He did not say that. He said that. He said that's not what he's saying. He said, where we may live, laugh, love, and feast. I thought some of our friends were bad at reading these books, but you're just as bad. (laughs) We're going to war. I'm just kidding. The basis for the war. It's on. It's on. Live, laugh, love, Eamon. (laughs) Eamon asks, why would the gods take my eyes and strength but condemn me to linger? Maybe that's how Chloe feels right now. Um, so A, I thought, what if it is because of John, right? It's not about being condemned to linger for that. Because later on, Eamon's going to be like, it was to meet the dragons, but I'm, I can't make it. But maybe it was there to guide John. But also, second, sometimes there's just like no rhyme or reason, you know, to why this th- these things happen. That's just life yeah. and death, you know? Well... Eamon tells Sam that he remembers dragons, the grief and glory of his house. He sees them in his dreams. He also sees, interestingly, not just dragons in his dreams, but a red star bleeding in the sky. He also sees their shadows on the snow and the crack of leathern wings, their hot breath. My brothers dreamed of dragons too, and the dreams killed them. Everyone, Sam, we tremble on the cusp of half-remembered prophecies, of wonders and terrors that no man, no living, could hope to comprehend or... Or, said Sam. Or not. (laughs) Or I am an old man, feverish and dying. He closed his white eyes wearily, then forced them open once again. I should not have left the wall. Lord Snow could not have known, but I should have seen it. Fire consumes, but cold preserves the wall. (coughs) But it is too late to go running back. The stranger waits outside my door and will not be denied. Steward, you have served me faithfully. Do this one last brave thing for me. Go down to the ship, Sam. Learn all you can about these dragons. <sighs> I get it now. That's his dying wish for Sam. And that's maybe what Sam will do at Old Town. Oh, and duh. Throughout the yes. rest of... Yes. I, I get it now. I get it now. <laughs> Why did it only take now for that to click? Shit, dude. Um, it's because I had to get into Avon's mindset. Uh, it just takes that little bit of a moment, yeah. Yeah. It kind of sounds like Eamon had his own dragon dreams too, not just his Mm -hmm. older brother Darien or Rhaegar. And I know that our, again, our friend Matt slash Joe Magician has uh, done quite extensive analysis on Eamon's uh, fascination with dragon dreams, but it does sound like Eamon definitely had his own. Like, how else would he know what the red star, you know, in the sky kind of looks like and seeing it? But also the fire consuming and cold preserving. I'm not the first to talk about this, but it's definitely an idea that gets revisited in the many different themes and plots of the series. And, you know, obviously one great example is about how the North remembers and that preservation of memory. But we also have this, again, idea of fire or desire, right? Being very all-consuming. And Eamon is now desiring more knowledge about the dragons. He calls them the grief and glory of his house. But, you know, it is the desire for which, like, that led to the death of his beloved brother and so much of his family, and he's now desiring the same thing. I definitely think that he's got to be having dragon dreams, right? And the mm-hmm. other thing that really seems obvious about it now is not only, 
like for George, just absolutely having him not be able to see makes it easier for George, right? When you have Jon Snow, uh, who he might have known to have a familial look about him, right? Hmm. Even if he yes. looks very stark, I'm sure we all remember John has some pretty boy comments made about him. Not only that, but it makes you think that maybe Eamon's dragon dreams. What if he's seeing Danny and John? He wouldn't know. Ooh. That'd be interesting, yeah. They're shadows. Like, he didn't really feel John's face, so it yeah. could be. It could be. That'd be interesting, the shadows. Or like he he's seeing them, but like as you're saying, right? He's seeing them in the form of dragons, which is how many people seem to perceive the Targaryens in these visions and prophecies. Like the one vision of them in the air tangled that Melisandre sees, right? Yeah, or the one that um Makoro sees and, and tells Tyrion, and even like the one that Darien sees, right, of Dunk coming out from mm-hmm. a slain dragon. Yes, yes. Sorry, Darien, yeah. not Darien. Darian's here. <laughs> Sorry. <sighs> well, Sam promises that he'll find Darian first and that they'd go to the ships and bring food, wine, and wood back. He tells Gilly to bar the door while he is gone, and she nods, her eyes full of tears, and Sam pulls his sword belt back on and... <sighs> mistake. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually a mistake. Sam avoids the innkeep and heads out into the fog. The mist is very thick, and it is gray, just putting it out there. Yeah. Uh, he can't see his feet. Once, he almost throws himself into a canal. When he was younger, he had read A History of Bravo, dreaming of coming here and beholding the Titan. Now that he's here, he wishes for nothing more than to go to Old Town. So it turns out it's not just the songs, right? Even the histories can be like the legends and all those stories that really just let you down. Just like people. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God, it's true, it's true. And with his sword belt sagging, he heads toward Ragman's Harbor, staying on smaller, darker streets. He sees a lot of cats, because there are many in Bravos in the canals. He's trying to find Darien to figure out what to do. And he tries to convince himself not to think poorly of Darien, that maybe he's hurt or dead from the aggressive Bravos. (laughs) Not yet, Sam. Uh, the best establishments are by the Purple Harbor or Moonpool, but Darien is often found in Ragman's Harbor, so Sam goes to the Inn of the Green Eel, the Black Bargemen, and Moragos. Uh, Eliana loved these names, so she included them, and we're going to talk about them for a moment. The Fog House, Outcast Inn, House of Seven Lamps, and the Cattery. Speaking of cats... I love that the House of Seven Lamps in Arya's chapters, it smells very strongly of incense, like my uh. house. Eliana. <laughs> we can start calling your place that. We have to get rid of all of your lamps but seven. Um. Ah! <laughs> seven, I despaired. <sighs> Sam struggles with the language barrier when he's talking to some of the Pullman trying to get information, or he suspects maybe some of these people are just pretending not to understand. And then Sam gets into a kerfuffle with two bravos. They hate that Sam is wearing all black, as these kinds of muted palettes are much more reserved, turns out, for the upper class in Bravos versus the really rich colors that the Westerosi nobility like to wear. And they make fun of Sam's body because they're very rude, and they also bring attention to Sam's sword around his waist, asking like if he's some sort of great lord, and I'm like, kinda? <laughs> uh, isn't it so crazy, like, Sam is in this city that's just full of hypocrisies for him. Mm. Even in Bravos, where all these customs that he follows are looked at as lordly, Sam does it wrong. 
wearing rich people black, <laughs> but yet he's getting water from the public fountain with his free folk girlfriend, trying to protect his girlfriend and not stepkid, but taking a sword out, even though he's not really supposed to. It's honestly like these little life hypocrisies that he's dealing with. I think this is great build up for next chapter, right? Where he finally gets to kind of let loose with his cock. And, you know, like he comes to terms with who he is, who he wants to be, who he wants to be with, what he wants to do, who mm. he wants to do that with. And that divide between Lord Sam, Night's Watch Sam, Maester Sam, all of that kind of comes to a head and he finally makes a, comes to a head and he oh. finally makes a choice, you know, which is to fuck, to put his life into his cock. You know, and sometimes that's all someone can do. A lot of men, actually, I, I feel mm. like, is yes, all they yes, can yes. do mm. is that. <laughs> mm. You mm. know. Interesting. Uh, but absolutely. And I think that's a great, great teaser for what's coming next week. And I mean, it, it is kind of funny, right? He is kind of a great lord, like you were saying. And it is hard. Like, he's doing all the customs wrong. And Sam needs, like, a fucking, like, I don't know, Lonely Planet book to tell him what to do. <laughs> He has no tour guide. It sucks. It's very difficult. They are very much alone in trying to figure out Bravos. Uh, but in regards to, like, you're talking about that divide of who Sam should be. It's very much, I think, a little bit like what we're seeing happen to Eamon right now. Right? Mm-hmm. He's slipping between his two families, maybe three if you want to include, like, Old Town and stuff. And he does acknowledge this about having all these different families and and all these different parts of him. Like, we've never seen this side of Eamon before. And... You know, that reconciliation of all these different parts of oneself is, I, I think, very much what the books are about, especially because a lot of them are focused on adolescent characters. Mm-hmm. Very coming of age. Yeah, we're seeing that divide, too, in so many characters. You're right. You yeah. have Arya, you have Sansa, you have John, uh, Danny. all these characters trying to choose and become who they're meant to be or who they want to be. And sometimes those two things are very conflicting. Mm-hmm. Being a teenager's hard. Sam's teenage is very difficult. He wants to run away uh, in this moment from the Bravos, uh, not just from his life. Sometimes, maybe. But <laughs> he tries not to fight when all this happens, and thankfully there's a girl who comes to his rescue. She explains, like, you dinguses, this guy's in the Night's Watch. That's why he's dressed like that. And also, by the way, she saw another one of these Night's Watch brothers at the Happy Port singing to the sailor's wife. And then she gives Sam a tip. When he's asked who the most beautiful woman in the world is, say the Nightingale, unless you want to fight. And then she tries to divert, asking the Bravos and Sam if they want shellfish, but Sam unfortunately has no coin. They try to then mug him for his clothes, and she's like, don't do it, don't do it, they're gonna just take your boots. And we're like, yeah, if you give a mouse a cookie. (laughs) Um, Uh, (laughs) A mouse a cookie. Sorry, you got me on that one. (laughs) Did I really? Didn't expect it to be that. I never do. Little cats who howl too loud get drowned in the canals, warned the fair-haired Bravo. Not if they have claws. And suddenly there was a knife in the girl's left hand, a blade as skinny as she was. The one called Taro said something to his fair-haired friend, and the two of them moved off, chuckling at one another. Just like, hell yeah. Aww. Needle. Needle just protected Sam. In the detail about the left hand. Yes, amen, because I'm a lefty. So Yeah. Just like, all right, maybe I'm you should have done the Aria voice. I'm so sorry. Um, Nothing but respect for my left-handers. Uh, indeed, Sam. Uh, all my favorite people are left-handed. 
See? Yeah. We have the the correct brain, you know? We see things from a very special oh perspective God. because of that. I'm not kidding. I'm I, I kidding. hear that, actually. Yeah. It's just another reason why I'm so special, Eliana. <laughs> April As Fools. if I needed more reasons, right? <laughs> uh, so... Arya explains to Sam what he did wrong. Wearing a sword means that you can be challenged, and she's never seen a black brother quite like him. She offers him some free clams. This is amazing. This I want is a great I deal. want free clams. Yeah. I know. This is Thanks, Arya. I love that she's championing him against the people when like a Bravo in Bravos, their whole thing is that they champion and fight in the name of the courtesans, right? And Arya in these chapters, as we know, her whole thing is like she's getting kind of enticed by that, by, like we said earlier about women having this agency and building something for themselves. Arya is enticed by these women having this freedom, being able to be their own people, have their own business, keep people spellbound, and have safety around them, and have their own personal guard. But yet here's Arya instead fighting for Sam, as if Sam's the courtesan and she's the bravo. That is interesting. Mm-hmm. that is kind of fun it's cute i actually it love it i really it like this moment uh, yeah this is a wonderful heartwarming exchange uh sam you know meeting another stark kid it's great sam tells her that they are headed to old town and then who she is which is samwell of house charlie and then after that he learns that she is no one i used to be someone but now i'm not you can call me cat if you like and as for why she speaks the common tongue, we have an explanation of my father was an ore master. My father was the ore master on Nymeria. A bravo killed him for saying that my mother was more beautiful than the nightingale. Not one of those camel cunts you met. A real bravo. Someday I'll slit his throat. The captain said Nymeria had no need of little girls, so he put me off. Brusco took me in, gave me a barrow. She looked up at him. What ship will you be sailing on? Really great work for Arya to watch her here because mm. uh, a couple things are popping up. First of all, you have her saying she's no one. You have mm. her using her story about Nymeria, about the ship, as she said was going to be her story to stick to. Uh, she's lying, and she's lying very well and very smoothly, saying uh, uh, that a bravo killed her father for saying her mother was more beautiful than the nightingale. So it connects with the first thing she tells him, advice-wise, yes. of say that she's the most beautiful or else. And then you realize she's asking him what ship he's going to go off on, trying to get info out of him for one of her secrets of the day. She's trying to learn information to take back when she has to tell the secrets she learned for the day. So... Really brilliant. Love watching her kind of observing and sticking her nose into things and trying to learn information, especially after we just got the Elaine chapter, right, where she is observing what Peter's doing in the veil and finally understanding and realizing. Yes, absolutely. I love I love watching the parallel progression of the sisters. It's great stuff. Yes. They have a discussion that leads to Sam remembering <sighs> they missed their booked passage on the Lady Ushinora and... The ship had actually tried to wait for our heroes for like three days, um, but they couldn't wait any longer for Sam's deadline of please wait for Aemon to strengthen. People had to go. They had jobs. Unfortunately, Sam and Aemon and, you know, our, our heroes, they lost all the money they had paid for that passage. And Sam's pretty like annoyed because he's like, why the fuck did I do all of the talking and negotiating, even though Darian's like the bard with the charisma stat here. And... 
Sam sadly thinks, like, damn, we could be in, like, Duskendale or Pentos by now, but I'm not going to tell this girl. She's not going to care. <sighs> Kat tells him, you know, I saw that singer at the Happy Port. He's about to get married uh, because the sex worker only beds people who will marry her and it's over by the mummer's shit. <laughs> oh, that's not the thing that Sam wanted to hear right now at all. And he's, like, he's very fuck? alarmed. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, he's just like whispering to himself, Selena style. What the fuck? Uh, he's so alarmed and he runs. He's like, what the fuck? That's like totally against everything we stand for. So he runs, he finds them. And when he gets there, women push up against him and dance around. And Sam's like, no, I'm against that. Or he tries to say that in High Valyrian. Darian calls Rafar and says, let him go. And the dancers are really into Sam. They're like really about him. Uh, in the room, there's also a passed out Tyroshi sailor, an older woman with giant boobies and a big summer islander. And a big summer islander dressed in black and scarlet feathers. It's very Targaryen of him, but also in that it's a cloak. Also very mansish of him. Oh, it does remind me of Mance a little bit with the black and red. There you go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, dragons are afoot. That's the one thing in this chapter. Like, even by mm-hmm, color, mm-hmm. the Targs are coming, baby. They're coming. They are. Darian introduces Sam to his wife. Oh, uh, my God. Naked- <laughs> <laughs> channeling my inner Boron and you kept saying like Eliana you're my Peter and I'm like okay you are you are my Mindy's Peter for real so Darian introduces Sam to my wife naked I'm doing a terrible job at this accent naked and wearing Darian's black cloak Darian continues being jolly about Sam being here and invites him to pay for one of the women's services and he's like you know try to try to be helpful I guess he's like I still have coin enough I think Sam thinks, like, coin that might have bought us food, coin that might have bought wood, so Maester Eamon could keep warm. He's like, what have you done? You can't marry. You said the words, the same as me. They could have your head for this. And, I don't know, it's just sad. Sam thinking, like, of all, like, the coin that was lost and everything else that's lost because they didn't have it. it it's just very sad. It is, but goddamn, you're being such a nerd about it, Sam. Come on. <laughs> this is why Tyrion doesn't like you. <laughs> Be cool, man. Be cool, be cool. <laughs> Not in front of the ladies, dude. Oh my god. god. Uh, Darian compares this to going to Molestown. Sam's like, I never went there. And Darian's like, well, it's like when you have sex with Gilly. You've been doing that this whole time, right? And Sam's like, what? No. And Sam doesn't want wine or anything. It says, Darian had promised to return with wine and food by twilight. Darian asks if Sam killed the other by nagging him to death. <laughs> and he's like, you're not my wife, Sam. Sam pleads with Darian that Eamon's awakened and wants info about dragons, which might help him, but Darian refuses. Sam once more reminds him of his oaths, and Darian says, we're not in Westeros anymore, buddy. I'm loving all of the setup for the sex chapter, because Darian's like, oh, this explains so much, Sam, that you haven't fucked. If you would just fuck a little... This might fix your issue here. And it's more than that, right? Like, Sam is kind of realizing and coming to that realization and forced to it, led to it, that we're not stuck in a binary, awful world. There's always a world beyond these institutions and systems. There are always choices. You are allowed to grieve, to feel. It's just leveraging that against the institutions and systems. That's such a really good point because Sam is learning, like you said, this lesson of there's a whole world beyond, there's all these other things, and 
John kind of learned that, right, when he went north of the wall, but now he's trying to unlearn that, right? He's unlearning. <laughs> he's like, I'm not allowed to grieve or to feel. And, and you can't. Yeah. You can't Sam's unlearn these healthy that. things from the Summer Islanders. <sighs> yeah. Feel your feelings. Especially if they're in your dick. Oh my god. Don't feel them that hard, Jesus. So Darian finally refuses. <laughs> He's done with the watch and he throws his cloak at Sam. You know, this passage, very fun. Darian tore his cloak off his naked bride and tossed it in Sam's face. Here, throw that rag on the old man. It may keep him a little warmer. I shan't be needing it. I'll be clad in velvet soon. Next year, I'll be wearing furs and eating. Sam hit him. He did not think about it. His hand came up, curled into a fist, crashed into the singer's mouth. Darian cursed and his naked wife gave a shriek and Sam threw himself onto the singer and knocked him backwards over a low table. They were almost of a height, but Sam weighed twice as much and for once he was too angry to be afraid. He punched the singer in the face and in the belly, then began to pummel him about the shoulders with both hands. When Darian grabbed his wrist, Sam butted him with his head and broke his lip. The singer let go and he smashed him in the nose. Somewhere a man's laughing, a woman cursing. The fight seemed to slow as if they were two black flies struggling in amber. Then someone dragged Sam off the singer's chest. He hit that person too, and something hard crashed into his head. The next he knew, he was outside flying headfirst through the fog. <sighs> Sam needed that. Yeah. You know? He really needed that. Uh, I think that's apparent. He's got a lot of really rough emotion. <laughs> well, and again, repressed. He's so repressed. He yes. has so much emotion yes. in there. Just fucking repressed. And, and maybe there are way healthier ways than this, right? Mm -hmm. To uh, express that. Like, you know, having sex with someone consensually. As Darian pointed out, maybe you could do that. That would make you feel better. But he needed that. You could tell there's so much bullshit brewed inside of him and anger. And, like, he's just frustrated because he can't do anything. Eamon's dying. Gilly's upset. There's nothing he could do to fix either of these things. Yeah, and I guess it's his way of expressing, like, you are hurting Maester Eamon. Or that's how he feels, right? So he's like, I'm yep. going to hurt you back. You. Yeah. And also, you know, I, I am, like, I'm kind of happy for Sam, right? Like, it shows us that. <laughs> You know, Sam is kind of physically stronger also than we think. Uh, if he just understands and learns how to leverage that strength. And it, mm. it does actually remind me a little bit of when we see Dunk fight. Because mm. he's got, I mean, he's got a big body, right, also. And, mm -hmm. and that makes him very strong. So. Yeah, he's got some hidden strength there. Some bull strength. You mess with the bull. Yeah. And he, I mean, it's just like... Take that, Darian. This is this is how I nag that other to death with my fist. No, um, it was with a knife. Similar <laughs> <laughs> energy. Uh, well, it was fun, but now Sam is drowning <laughs> in a canal. Uh, and, I, and there's this line: Sam sank like a stone, like a boulder, like a mountain. So again, speaking of strong people and dunk, I feel like mountain is kind of associated with like being very powerful mm. and there's something about this line that kind of reminds me a little bit of you know Sansa's my skin is turned from porcelain to ivory to steel in terms of that construction of like that progression and mm -hmm. and again strengthening and I mean mountains are kind of like a hill right Sam of Horn Hill they're actually oh there you go 
but no whatever. but i mean similar idea that's interesting he became his sigil in that moment like they yeah. so often do i have a song lyric tattooed on me that it reminds me of uh, i i uh, was actually thinking about that <laughs> as soon not, as you not, read it out not, loud not I was your lyric not your tattoo but the song lyric before when i was typing this up that's really funny yeah, yeah i have a, a lyric that's similar that's sinking like a stone in the sea burning like a bridge for your body yeah um that's funny that you thought of the same thing and you know sam becoming like a stone right he's sinking like a stone and yet he evolves it into something else something Mm -hmm. again big powerful whereas earlier this chapter he thinks of how john's heart is turning to stone so Ah, a lot of stone stuff going on now yeah we're all getting stoned uh wait it's true it's true (laughs) it's true <laughs> you're just so earnest you're like it's true <laughs> are we lying is it is it not uh, uh so he sinks trying to swim in the brine he thinks an eel's touching him but it turns out he's just upside down and then his sword belt tangles him up and then he has a thought that keeps him alive i can't drown maester Eamon will die without me gilly will have no one i have to swim i have to i don't actually know if Sam knows how to... So we have, like, that one moment, right? Where he thinks his dad just threw him in. It was, like, good fucking luck. I get... Yeah, he kind of talks about it last chapter anyway, or two chapters ago. This actually, though, reminds me a little bit of those chapters in the snow where Sam is like, I don't want to fucking die out here. I want to die next to my brothers, right? I want to live and see my brothers again. And Sam, you know, this has stayed consistent for him. He isn't interested in living for his own sake, but because of his connections with people. That's what keeps him going yeah and you're right this is totally like his fear is this mm-hmm. i mean he is very afraid of having to swim we had that whole entire thought process of when his that's dad right. threw him in i think that's a very astute point and his connections keep him going living for others you know being brave for other people because sometimes yes. when a man is afraid that's the only time he can be afraid right brave that's the only time he could be brave afraid afraid of brave which i <laughs> one they're the same according to that and well they're related but that's a great point of yeah it's when he's like afraid for other people not himself he's not doing much good for himself here right he's very sure that he's drowned as an eel or like a fish swims into his hand to pull him down but surprise it is not down it is not an aminal but a person rescuing him and then he sees a summer islander with like one of like the best lines in the series right of with fists the size of hams pounding into his belly but it's probably just cpr but i just love that <laughs> fists the size of hams. what the fuck sounds like rum ham rum ham from uh, always sunny you should watch always sunny oh yeah I, I need to continue it i've told you where about my story mm-hmm. i've heard your background i've heard your background <laughs> So it's painful, but Sam rushes up the water, and he's cold, and he's breathing, and he is alive. The man speaks in third person that Sam now owes him, Zondo, feathers because the water ruined his cloak. So Zondo is very impressive. He's a polyglot. Also, the summer tongue, we'll probably like learn more about it more, but the language of the Summer Islanders, it has no pronouns, which would explain why Zondo never says I, aka the first person pronoun but also as opposed to being like you know it, it reminds me a little of those philosophical ramifications of the larathi right like they always say a man has or a girl has blah 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 blah. 
And mm. there's a few other features of the summer tongue, such as like another is that they use OSV sentence structure or object subject verb. And you might recognize that a little bit of like what Yoda does, right? Like, um, to me, the dog brings stick. That's it. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. Oh, a, yeah. it's Yoda speak. I love exactly. it. I really do like that. Okay. Okay. Anyway, so Zondo says, yeah, Sam, I know you weren't swimming because you splashed a little too much. Uh, Lamau, also you should try to... <laughs> Fat people are supposed to float, he says. Don't be mean. This man was, like, dying. And then he gives some other life-changing words while lifting Sam to his feet, which we know are life-changing because this is a reread. Zondo mates on cinnamon wind. Many tongues he speaks, a little... Inside, Zondo laughs to see you punch the singer, and Zondo hears. A broad white smile spread across his face. Zondo knows these dragons. Oh, shit. Pew, pew, pew. Pew, pew, pew. pew, pew dragons. Pew, 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 pew. Imagine dragons. Oh, yeah. oh, my God. Oh, God. Well, out of imagining dragons. This is something that, since this is a reread podcast, you will recognize. <laughs> uh, this information comes via the cinnamon wind, right? This comes from a clash of kings when Danny spoke to the captain of the cinnamon wind. When they entered, she was seated at a mound of cushions, her dragons all about her. The man he brought with him wore a cloak of green and yellow feathers and had skin black as polished jet. Your grace, the knight said, I bring you Kahiro Mo, captain of the cinnamon wind out of tall trees town. The black man knelt. I'm greatly honored, my queen. He said, not in the tongue of the Summer Isles, which Danny did not know, but in the liquid Valyrian of the Nine Free Cities. Very impressive. Yes. So, we've seen them before. We know of them. They're here. We've got some, some stories from them coming this way. I'm excited to kind of explore some of those dragon stories next week with you and Zach. We don't get a ton. We only get a little bit in passing, but yeah. enough to keep Sam interested. Dragon tails, dragon tails, dragon tails, dragon tails. It's almost time for dragon tails. It's next. Dragon tails. <laughs> yeah, uh, I watched that shit. Yeah, I th- I was definitely too old to watch it, but I was. Still yeah, and I definitely it. <laughs> watched it. I don't. I was definitely too old to watch that shit, and I definitely watched it. And here I am discussing yeah. dragon tails once more. So true. So true. So true, bestie. <laughs> Real though. Uh, I'm excited for Sam to fuck next week because he really needs to get something out of his system right <laughs> I'm now. Excited for Sam. He's real I frustrated. Like you, it's so funny that you said he's for him to get something out of his system because I thought you were going to say for Sam to get something, something. Yeah, that's what I want him to get out of his system. Something, something. Oh my god. Uh, and the something is not something, it's semen. Oh my god. <laughs> Uh, those are oarsmen, actually. Oh, yes, on his fat pink mask. Uh, doot doot. Oh my god. <sighs> it's crazy, because I kind of forget how long until Eamon dies. <laughs> Not that I'm, like, you know, ready. I'm just bracing myself. Yeah. Any moment. It really is any moment. It's, uh... And that's what kind of makes it really anxiety-inducing for Sam, right? He's like, I guess it could happen every any moment, but I really don't want it to. None of us do, Sam. I mean, that's the point, I guess. None of us do want it, but it comes for us all. Yeah, this is like what, you know, even Sam, like, John's had like seven dads. This is like one of 
two maybe positive male role models Sam's had in his life. I guess it just gets easier after each of them die, you know? Oh my god. (laughs) So if you want to adopt a couple more, Sam. He's just gonna fuck after each one, you know? (sighs) A fuck for each death. Oh my gosh. Gives a whole new meaning to A-fuck. A-F-F. That is, in fact, I get it now. That's why George named the book this. This book is fucking horny, dude. I mean, this is the one where you got Aries Oakhart being like, here's my dick, now I die. Victorian being like, wait, does my niece want to marry me? (laughs) (laughs) Cersei being like, please fuck me and then do things for me. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Yep. Well, we're going to be back next week to fuck. No, wait, we're not fucking. Sam's fucking. Sam is fucking. Next week. We're We're going to be back. In a few weeks. We're fighting. Or are we fucking? Anyways. You'll have to stay tuned. To find out. <laughs> Sam and is fucking c- next week, everyone. Oh Sam is fucking next week. Tune into Pornhub. Wait. Uh, you Whoa. can find us on social media at twitter.com slash girlsgonecanon to keep up with, you know, when that happens. Or if you want the link. No, I'm joking. You can also send us an email at girlsgonecanon, C-A-N-O-N, at gmail.com if you have any thoughts about all of this. <sighs> Or All anything else. If you have like uh, birds you want to share, you know, or we other love animals. Birds. A chinchilla. A chinchilla. I'd love to see a chinchilla. I'd be down with a chinchilla. We've gotten chinchillas. Yeah, so I'm, I'm we just have, throwing we out animals. Talk about a menagerie. Move over, Bravo <laughs> CC Lord. Look That's at us. That's so true. If you have a lemon tree. Us and our lemon, lemon tree. <laughs> to send, you know, or if you have some great plants, I would, I'm down to see that too. We're into plant porn. We really are. <laughs> hey, you know, if you're not subscribed to us already, what are you waiting for? Click follow over at a podcast platform near you, whether you're watching, whether you're listening to us oh over gosh. at iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, Acast, iHeartRadio, Audible, Pandora. We're on them all. You said whether you're watching, whether you're watching us on Pornhub or. Oh, my God. <laughs> we also have a how Patreon. Much, how much porn are you watching lately, Eliana? Jesus. Put it away. <laughs> So we also have a Patreon. Uh, you can find us at patreon.com slash girlsgonecanon. And again, April Fools for patrons in the $5 tier and above this month. Yes, and, and if you're ready for joining up and being a Thunder tier patron, you get monthly brunch and happy hour. Uh, and that happens sometimes in real life, which this month, April 24th, will have an IRL public one happening at Ice and FireCon at the same time as Eliana hosting one on the Discord for those that cannot make it. Yeah, we're going to crown ourselves individually. Also, thank you to our patrons for, you know, being so gracious this week. Um, again, with some of the delays that we've been having going on here. So many thanks. We're doing big things. We're doing big things. Uh, Yeah, I guess that wraps us up. Thanks for listening. As always, I have been one of your hosts, Chloe. And I have been another one of your hosts, Eliana. We'll be back next week with Zach from Game of Odds. Yes. Get ready to talk about that terrible shot that uh, we came up with for one. Nice and fire con. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait to discuss it at length. at length. I really I really want to make a better one, you know, someday with real fire. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. I believe in you. Thank you. Goodbye. My God. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>